You have to say something funny at the beginning. I'm always the one that says something funny in the beginning. And it's oh, too Jesus. much pressure. Well, you and don't, I can't. They were. I know. I guess I've created an environment of pressure. I, it was always. It used to be just the way I'd edit it. Like, you'd just say something, and I'd be like, oh, that's funny while well, I'm editing it. And that would be the part I put at the beginning. And then we had music as well. So I could really take apart and just make it separate and put it there. But yeah, now I guess I've created this environment where you feel beholden to the, the listener amounts of pressure to, yeah. con- to each week step up my game a little bit more it's too much pressure man sorry Gwen. Pressure for a hobby. i can imagine i'm gonna try and uh rein that in from now on maybe maybe we, maybe this episode we just start in a really serious like solid discussion like we just begin like well welcome to the dialogue box today we're going to be talking about uh, the video games and uh, if video games are considered art that sounds like a lovely idea chris light mm, thank you gwen let's uh, definitely let's definitely be weird and creepy like this <laughs> it's like weird asmr things that stuff's weird anyway talk about it. if you ever like actually just while i'm here like if, what what joy is there to be taken from someone creepily making noises right next to your ears. What the is f- that? Is that good? What the fuck Do are you, you like talking that? about right now? ASMR stuff. On if you look that up on YouTube, there's videos of people like they'll get like they'll get like I don't know, I've got a tissue and they'll go into a microphone and that's a thing people want. Or like just people going and with the, oh, oh, it's horrible. I hate it. Whoa. Like, it you creeps that for like me out. You like a second and that gets the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. They give me the heebie-jeebies. There are people that enjoy that. I don't get it. Uh, anyway. I don't, I don't know anything about it. Man, there's a lot of stuff on the internet that I don't understand. There's, there's a, a lot of, of stuff internet. on the internet. There's a lot the of internet. internet. Every now and then I discover an entirely new subreddit. And I'm just blown away by the fact that there is a group of people that strongly believes and it's created a community around something very weird and dark. And I don't judge, you know, uh, but I do. I do judge. I was going to say, you don't judge, but I mean, we do do judge judge. strongly. That's that's human life. Speaking of strong communities that have rallied around something that I didn't quite understand, Kingdom Hearts was a game... Mm -hmm. I played recently. Solid because... pivot there, Chris Light. I loved that. That was Thanks, well Gwen. Done. Thanks. Kingdom a... Hearts. Kingdom okay. Hearts uh, has got a very rabid community around it of people that are like super into the story of the convoluted tale of Kingdom Hearts. And a trailer came out for Kingdom Hearts 3 that hit on two levels. Number one, I remember as a child when I first saw Toy Story thinking the day video games look like Toy Story is a day when we're living in a mad crazy future and there it was on the screen the characters of Toy Story looking exactly as they do in the movies but rendered in a video game engine and I was like that's craziness that we have got to this point and we it snuck up on me and I didn't even think about it yeah here we are <laughs> <laughs> but the other part of it was, I've never played Kingdom Hearts. And there are people that, like, people that fucking hate Kingdom Hearts. Like, they think, I've heard people say, like, it's trash and, like, it's the worst <laughs> game. And then I've heard people be like, it's so good. It's so good. This is one of the best stories oh, ever. God. It's Disney well, and Square combined. To be fair, what you just said is how people feel about every video game. No one's allowed to just play a game and be like, that was solid. Like, you have to have. That's true. An- 
opinion. And it's got to, especially if you're a game developer, it's got to be like a weird nuanced opinion too. Like, <laughs> here's what I feel they did right. And here's why, here's why this is a divergent from other, you know, action RPGs in this genre. Or here's how I think they, they serviced the, uh, the gameplay did not service the IP as well as it could have or some shit. <laughs> and like some, uh, I, I'm ranting now, but like it's hard to just sit down and fucking play a game sometimes. Uh, so I feel you, and I, I've especially as somebody who works in the press, I would be shocked if you could find anybody that just kind of felt, yeah, that was good about like any game. It's tough. I, I mean, it's like you're the, you, you're now trading in a world where you make your money off your opinion. Therefore, you want your opinion to stand out, I suppose. So it's like. You'll have the people that are like, oh, listen to how mad I am about this thing. Oh, I'm so angry. Ah. And then you have the people that, like, yeah, like you say, are like, this is art. This should be in a gallery. And it's like, well, you know. I mean, I play Kingdom Hearts. Like, I was streaming it. And I played it for, like, four hours. And it was fine. It was, it was colorful. When you hit things, lots of balls come out of them, which I found visually pleasing. <laughs> lots of balls. I need to Google this, apparently. Okay. It, like, it was, there was a lot of melodrama, sort of what I've heard described by people as anime bullshit, which <laughs> I would definitely say is in full force in this game. But Wait, it, how is there anime bullshit in a Toy Story-like game? That's actually kind of interesting, because it's really it's hard okay. to cross anime in 3D. Well, it's well, it's anime bullshit, which means like melodrama and oh, like, like soap opera style. Yeah, but like real angsty. Like if you're like, I get the feeling that if you were thirteen and playing this game, and you were like, oh, I'm a really angsty thirteen year old, you'd be like, oh, I connect with these characters and their struggles. <clears throat> that, but wasn't then, Toy Story and kingdom hearts were both designed for that 13 year old audience right initially kingdom hearts i don't know because I, I was at weirdly I was enough because i was writing for a video most people did play it when they were kids but i remember i was reading a interview uh, about the making of the game and apparently they wanted to make the game most a bit more darker and serious so, yeah, so it's like Shrek, it. it's kind of aimed for kids, but it could <laughs> hit like... like Shrek. <clears throat> well, you know, like some... No, I know what you mean. Yeah, the IPs that are kind of like, you watch this with your kid and yeah. like the parent won't want to kill themselves, you know? It, not so much. Uh, I, <laughs> it's It's just got that sort of teenage brooding to it hmm. like it's got that kind of a vibe but it's it's a fine game it's i play i will probably play a little more of it because it was fine and i sort of want to know what's going on in this whole thing but that you know it's fine like you say i was like i played it and i was like that is acceptable wow <laughs> way to make a stand in the industry that's the, that's, that's the boldest thing i think you can say right now i played a game and it was all right no one fine. does this chris you're really, you're really standing apart right now. Hey, uh, my, my quick review would be, if you think it looks nice and colorful, you might think it's fine when you play it. Because <laughs> its gameplay is very inoffensive. It doesn't require you to think or do all that much, really. Especially if you do what I did, because a few people that watch my stuff were like, 
you should play it on easy because the difficulty spike gets really fucking ridiculous. So just play it on easy and you'll enjoy it. So I stuck hmm. it on easy and I just had a nice little colourful time. And it was fine. It was not a problem. That's cool. Yeah. I still don't understand how you can enjoy a game if other people are like in a chat telling you what to do. And I feel like I so much of enjoying any medium, a game, a movie or whatever, is me becoming like engrossed and losing track of time and just doing like that thing. And if there's just like assholes barking at me in chat, my my friends will like send me messages on Gchat or whatever while I'm mm. in a game and I just won't reply and I'll be mildly irritated that I heard the ding. Like it depends, I, I right? can't like, imagine Twitch streaming yourself like gaming and also enjoying that experience. Well, it it really depends on the game. There are some games that I wouldn't stream because I do just want to sit there. But then again, I it's weird. Like I played the beginner's guide the other day for the very first time. I don't know if you've played that yet. No, the beginner's guide. Yeah, it's by the guy that made uh, the Stanley Parable. Oh Jesus! Wow, I must have. That must have been well off. I was off the grid or something. Yeah, I'll look into that. It's it's really good, and I will tell you no more about it because it it developed in a way that I, none me or any of the people watching expected. And it, oh, it was, I'm sure. It, yeah, I enjoyed it, and I loved the Stanley Parable, which is why I ended up playing this. And I just hadn't got round to it, and I was like, "Cool, I'll play it." And you know, it gets quite serious. It get you know, all stuff like that, but it was actually kind of cool because I was just playing it, going through it. And you're doing the talking to the chat back and forth. But, I mean, it depends who you've got in a chat room. But for a lot of moments, it was quite cool. Because you're kind of just sharing a moment. Something will happen. And you'll see the people in the chat be like, wow. Oh, well, didn't expect that. Oh, shit. And you're like, yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah, I'll take it back. There are games like games that are fun to play with other people. I could totally see that. And there's yeah. definitely been times when like I want to play games with my friends like and and share that experience. You definitely also. It, I bet it helps a lot with like the water cooler experience or games where you have like that kind of allow you to branching narrative or games yeah. like what's a good one? Dishonored. The first Dishonored was fantastic for like seeing how somebody else would go through and, and play a level versus you. I could totally see that. All right, it's kind of cool. One eightying. I can see it for some games. It depends on the game. Yeah, like it's. If it's just a pure narrative-driven, you're just going to sit down and experience this, then maybe not. But even then, like, I was replaying The Darkness for the first time in, like, it turned out, like, ten years since I'd last played it, because I looked at my Xbox 360 save. And that doesn't require anyone chipping in, but it was still kind of fun to sit and play it and just have other people's opinions to what they think happened and stuff like that. That was kind of cool. I enjoyed that. But, uh, yeah, the beginner's guide was really fun. It's only, like, a couple of hours, so I'd definitely recommend checking that out. And, yeah, that was fun. Destiny 2 I played. I played the beta of Destiny 2. Ooh, how was Destiny 2? Fucking good. I, <laughs> I super like Destiny, and they the beta gives you... It opens with what is seemingly the... say seemingly, I know it is. The opening mission of Destiny 2. Mm-hmm. So you play through that, and it's like... Half an hour, 45 minutes, and then when you've done that, you can then play one map of multiplayer, one map of another multiplayer mode, and one strike mission, which is, yeah, I don't know if you've played Destiny, but it's like, uh, it does the random matchmaking, and it's like three of you, and mm. you play your way for a little story mission. And, man, they have, and they had... 
because a lot of the pe- complaints people have had with Destiny, which were about the storytelling and the way it was told to you and how basically they didn't really tell you that much about the world and it it didn't really feel like there was it felt like there was more effort had gone into cards you could read online than actually telling you anything about the characters in the game mm-hmm. and the most recent expansion they had definitely done a lot to address that like there was a lot more character in it there was a lot more explanation of what was going on not just throwing <laughs> like sci-fi fantasy babble at you and it is prong domulus of the Krentor <laughs> race oh, God. i just yeah. made that up but like that kind of stuff and you're like i don't know what any of that means i have no context for this i read something online once that is the amount i like a fantasy novel is inversely proportional to the number of words they make up and i think oh, that's God, how yes. i feel i think we've talked about this that's how i feel about anything in like the sci-fi or fantasy realm it's just kind of yeah. like, ugh. I really, sometimes I do get to the point where you're reading a book like that or you're playing a game like that, watching a film like that. And it's like, <laughs> and you really you could have glossary. just said bread. Like you could have just said, and then do you want some bread rather than, would you like some flatubious roll? And you're like, it's <clears throat> bread. You could just say bread. Like this doesn't make me feel more in your world. It just makes me feel like there's a writer who has decided he has to make a new name for everything. Like, <laughs> I don't know. But you get a lot of that. And this time, like, it feels like they've really doubled down on trying to make this feel like a thicker, fuller world when you're playing it. Like, it's not just bits that you go to here and there. It's Mm -hmm. characters that are relatable and are a bit... Like, they've they've got a funnier Joss Whedon-style definitely joss whedon style writing they've even got two people like nathan fillion i forget the lady's name but from firefly both in this game now and they've definitely got that but um it just feels better written it feels like they've taken more time to build the world out and flesh it out but communicating that that in the game they got that sweet destiny money now so they can really lean in they can blow their budget on this well, one. Well, yeah, I mean, they had a ton of money for the first one. Like, it's a very interesting story. I'm waiting for that to all fully come out with whatever happened with Destiny 1. Mm-hmm. But there's been a, a lot of allusions to quite relatively close to the game coming out, the story being dramatically changed and quite a lot of the game being sort of redone before it came out, which is how the game felt. And mm-hmm. that's sort of some of the information that's come out about it. But this this feels like they've addressed a lot of that. I mean, it's still... The thing that I loved about Destiny is the way it felt. And it still has that. And it's lovely. Where, the argument could be made, and I've seen people making the argument that they're like, this could have just been another expansion. Why? This doesn't feel different enough from Destiny 1 to warrant mm-hmm. it being a new game. But I'm like, I don't know. Like, it's... It's an interesting marketing decision. Do you decide to um, drip out DLC slowly? Do you decide to release expansions? Do you decide to release an entirely new game? The way you release really frames how consumers think about it in their minds. That's exactly it. I I watched... uh, Because they they still put out their vid doc things, Bungie, uh, Uh which they've been doing since like Halo 3, I want to say. They started the vid doc, so maybe 2. Anyway... Uh, and in that one of them, they talk about how 
the reason they've done two, the reason none of your stuff carries over from one is because they want to make a new place for people to jump in. They were like, this can be a brand new game for brand new people to jump in and play it. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Yep. I get that. That that totally makes sense. I think it's, um, I mean, I, I'm trying to articulate my thoughts on this. There's definitely, I was talking to somebody who made um, expansions for Sims like ages huh. ago. And I remember them describing to me uh, that they experimented a lot with this. Do you release a patch every month for a live game like this? Or yeah. And they realized when if they released patches like each week or each month, and that was it. They never got any new gamers. And the old gamers mostly just complained about what wasn't fixed yet or what yeah. wasn't added. And so they would clump. They would not release anything. They would do things and they would they would do like bug fixes in their patches and they wouldn't add any new content until about every I think their cadence was two or three months. And then they'd release like a little a, a big patch or yeah. if they thought they could sell it. They would release like. I don't think they'd release actual DLC. They they did, but that was like on a different timeline. But basically, they got a lot better um, response from consumers when they did bug fixes each week, and then a big content burst because they would that would actually get them in the press and stuff. And these days, mm. I don't even know if that would get them in the press. That was just back in the day. I'll tell oh, you now. I, that's um, sort of the oh, sorry, that, that's ahead. the pattern. Oh, sorry, I was gonna say that's that's what people seem to do now. Yep, yeah, I mean that that's a cadence that I think a lot of people have fallen into, and then you gotta. Uh, but like you said, you still don't get the new gamers until you release an entirely new game. Mm. I think there's... It's interesting looking at games like Don't Starve, for instance. Mm. Uh, they released one game and then they've... Uh, they released very large expansions. I don't know how frequently I'm... I would have to look it up, but I'm guessing it's maybe like once, uh, once a year-ish. They release like... I know they don't... They basically release very large expansions that add a lot to the game. And then at one point they create Don't Starve Together, which is yeah. uh, a big multiplayer version of their game. Um, and for that, I think they branded that as being an entirely separate game. Um, yeah. It is very, very weird and interesting where you draw the line when you're supporting a, an online live product. Uh, like, how much content do you need before you can call it a separate game? Um, how much how many resources can you throw into supporting a live game? Mm. I think uh, games, there's definitely a cadence that is kind of uh, become the norm for online games uh, for, for like MMOs. But I, I play a lot of Civ and I'm always blown away when I go back to Civ and there's all this crap I had no idea about because it's <laughs> never in the press. Uh, and they've just been slowly patching this game and, uh, if I had read about this anywhere, I probably would have come back to play. Or mm. uh, I they'll they'll add DLC packs with new civs um, that I I just won't hear about, and then one day I'll get them. I'm way into this, Chris Light. Like I'm you've way been, too into back. Civ right now. I'm you've, back. Uh, oh jeez, oh, and this is the wrong time to be back. You're busy now. Um, yeah, that's true. I think it's an interesting time to be back because I feel like. Everyone I know just bought a bunch of random ass games on on the Steam sale, so it's yes. not like a big game dropped and we all have to talk about Horizon Zero Dawn for the next week. And if you're not playing that game, you're not part of the conversation. Right now, everyone's mm. playing all kinds of random shit, so I can go back and play whatever I <laughs> want. What I want to play is Civ, specifically the Australian scenario. That scenario is so good. Yeah, I could. 
I know you're going to cut it, but I could no, like no, literally no. talk for 20 minutes about why this scenario is so good. It's Tell me. Oh, okay. So, oh my God, I got to readjust my, my seating situation. Get ready. So, the... Okay, so let's talk about what's great about Civ. The best part about civilization is always when you're exploring um, and you're uncovering the map and when you're building your cities and you're you're building up your empire. Yeah. Um, and the, the kind of competition to see who can build up their empire fastest and that sort of thing. I think where the game falls flat tends to be the very end uh, when you're kind of just like hitting next, 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 next. Yeah, and trying to I like, agree. Like you've won, you just need to like... Just go white. You just got to play that last hour if you're doing like a huge map, mm. uh, which I, I always do like the biggest map, the most number of people because I oh, hate it. myself. Oh, uh, so, fun. yeah. Yeah, it is. Mm. Yes. Uh, but like you get the, the like the last, I don't know, forever turns like the last hour of the game is super boring to me because you've already won. You're just hitting next. Uh, I hate that part. Uh, I dislike combat i like i love the threat of war and the threat of yes. combat but i find that the a the ai just isn't very good at combat no and I, I know agree. they've they've done some like patches to help and to fix that but like it's just it's not and and someday they'll get there i believe in them but like it's just not very good right now so those are the parts that are weakest in australia this scenario is it focuses on the best parts of civ it focus, it, you, there is no combat. It's a race to see if you can get to a certain amount of gold per turn it, within 60 turns. Hmm. It's cut off the end of the game. It's entirely exploration and building and it, coming up with an optimal strategy. And the map is randomized each time, which I don't know if you know this about me. I'm a fan of randomly generated content. I like had picked up on that. Games. Yeah. So, <laughs> so this, is, this is the ideal game. And they, the amount of effort Firaxis puts into these scenario packs is always like kind of mind blowing considering I never I basically never played scenarios because they're almost always combat focused and I think mm. I don't give a shit but I tried this one uh, at, and like they they changed the rules and the mechanics of the game they changed the balance of it just for this like they, they tweaked wow. the trees and things and um, that's a lot of work they did they put a, they put some freaking effort into these DLC packs I feel like if all they did was release a sieve, they probably couldn't charge as much as they do for the DLC. And I'm buddies with Firaxis, so I get all the DLC for free, so I feel bad Look even you. talking about the price point. But, like, I, I know... the What is the price point? It's like five bucks, maybe? I, I feel like you would have to release more than one or two sieves at that price point, but you also want to take the time to really balance each sieve, so you want to release yeah. them one at a time. Uh, so I, I, I don't... I don't know where I'm going with this. I just, I'm so happy that the scenario pack exists. I wish I could like make them make more of these non-combat focused scenario packs. They are so, it was, it's so good. It's like an entirely, this could be a standalone game. This Australian scenario could be a standalone game. I would have bought it. I would have had a great <laughs> little weekend playing it. I, yeah. I wish, I, I wonder if there is a world where that's even a viable strategy to just I think so i mean the, like you say the combat to me <clears throat> and i've yet to probably play the new civ but in civ 4 it was always just like the, like you say the coolest part was the fret so like when i'd have guys suddenly my old buddy bismarck 
would put his troops right on the border of my empire. And I'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, well, now what's going on here? So I'd move my troops and there'd be this cool Cold War scenario. And it was that, that was all really cool. But yeah, as soon as you were fighting, it was just them just slamming into each other, essentially. They didn't feel like there was much nah, tactically like, that you could randomly. do or they could do. It was just, here we are, sort of a thing. But yeah, I, I, all that stuff, I think, is the interesting stuff. I think so. Um, yeah, maybe someday they'll get the combat there. But I feel like what it what would be interesting to me, and I'm, I'm not like, I don't know if this would actually work, but I'm curious if they had instead of doing their strategy where they release a massive game and then all these DLC packs. I wonder what would have happened if they kept their code and their basic game is like a, a template internally and every six months they released a standalone game like this is Australia and they released mm. these scenarios like this as standalone games. It would be a totally different world uh, where they would re- release these kind of they would release a lot of full standalone games at like a, maybe a 10 or $15 price point rather than right now the I I can't imagine being somebody who's never played Civ getting into Civ, just going like, yeah, I guess I'll drop $60 on this game where any given time I play this, it, the learning curve is honestly pretty fucking steep. And anytime you play a game, you're investing like 20 hours minimum Yeah, uh, it's into a, this. It's a big ask. Uh, whereas this, like if they dropped like just the Australian scenario is like a standalone game that... Uh, people could drop like lower the bar 10 or 15 dollars just to play like this australian scenario and the truth is because it's 60 terms it it doesn't go on forever Mm. uh i feel like this would be a a nice entry point for consumers personally i think this would this would be interesting yeah that's an interesting idea and i mean it's maybe an interesting idea for a gwen frey game Huh? Uh, God, I don't have the capacity to make a strategy game in my... See, that, that was one thing I was wondering. Like, I was like, God, you get so excited and passionate talking about this game. I'm like, I'm surprised you've never been like, I should make one of these. I know what it takes. Uh, oh, really? I know they're, yeah, they're... Um, I'm not a game designer. You have to keep that in mind. So when I sit down and I think about what I want to make, and this is true for for basically everything, you look at what your skill set is and what the market wants in a way, uh, if you want to be successful. No, no. And the reality is um, that I believe there is a market out there for tactics and strategy style games. Um, I don't believe... I'm not the person with a spreadsheet to balance these games. Do you understand? I get you. There's people who are very, very good at this. Um, there's been a couple that went indie. Like, um, I played a game called Offworld Trading Company back in the day. And I mm. forget the name of that designer, but that was definitely like a really high profile strategy designer that went indie. Uh, I I don't know. I, I have immense respect for people that do do that. I'm just, uh, I would love to do art for a game like that. Yeah. But the reality is it, it doesn't align with the skill sets of me or my team. So it's, it's just not quite the kind of game we're making. Makes sense. Also, I'm uh, we did uh, we have a new programmer now. But up until recently, I was probably the only person in my studio that gives a shit about strategy and tactics games. <laughs> that doesn't help. Nah. You're like, guys, guys, guys. 
There's this game type that you don't play. Uh, nobody in my studio plays Civ. I'm pretty sure we talked about this yesterday, and like, uh, I don't know if Forrest has even played Civ Six yet. Hmm. I don't. I don't remember. He either played it for like one map and was like, eh, or he stopped, which is crazy because Civilization Six is such a huge divergence from what they did in Five and all the others. It's like the district system is really unique and different. I was pretty blown away by how different this game is. Yeah, I, 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 just as a correction to earlier, I said I played Civ 4, not 5. I meant I played 5, not 6. That was what I meant. But, oh, um, yeah. So it's super different? Oh, yeah. the uh, Just the way you build your cities is different. The strategy, uh, you care more yeah. about... Like, in the past, you'd care about putting your city next to a river, maybe. And you'd, you'd care mostly about uh, the value on the tiles that were immediately around your city, whereas now you you care about... You plop down your city center, and then you plop down districts, and the districts do different things depending on what's around them. Mm. And the how you build your city matters a great deal. Um, I love it. I just, yeah. I mean, we've gone on for like ever, and I feel bad, but I I freaking love this game, man. No, I think they that's did a fantastic job. I, I, think I the, like hearing you talk about that. the The barrier to entry is too damn high. Uh, I, I don't know how to fix that. I I wish everybody played Civ. Like I wish it was a I wish this was more mess. I and I know like this is the god of the tactics and strategy genre, but yeah. I feel like this is a game that could be like Call of Duty big if the barrier to entry wasn't absurdly high. Mm. Yeah, I mean, but the problem is part of that barrier to entry being kind of high. I suppose, though, like you say, now that does kind of make sense that if you released littler versions and, yeah, that would be an uphill struggle. Because as soon as you said, like, Call of Duty big, I was like, Jesus, uh, how would you get an audience that big behind this game that is very... Mm. When you describe it to someone, it takes a certain type of person, I think, to be excited about. Because I am the sort of person that when I hear these stories about this sort of game, I get excited about it. Like, I'm like, ooh, ooh, this is exciting. But then I find that kind of thing interesting anyway. I find history interesting. Mm -hmm. I find, like, grand... When it comes to fantasy or sci-fi, I like very big, like, they call them, like, space opera kind of stories or, like, big, grand fantasy kind of stories, like Lord of the Rings, and which have huge implications for a world and all that kind of stuff and it's like i don't know i don't know if everyone would catch on to that vibe but like maybe they would i don't know it's really good though when you play it yeah i love that game man God, <laughs> I, we gotta talk about something else our listeners are like just just like done with this conversation i'm sorry oh i doubt uh, it. if i know our listeners and i you don't want to <laughs> but if i know <laughs> that's a line from someone else i just wanted to use it (laughs) i do want to know you um yeah i think they're interested in this Mm. why wouldn't you be it's a cool game but um yeah i mean so we've been playing games that we super like which is good that is true that is what we've been doing that's true yeah uh working and playing games pretty much yeah it's a good life chris but we could probably wrap this up here if 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 uh Unless you have anything else to say, Gwen. No, I think this has been a great conversation. Thanks for chatting with me, Chris Light. No problem, Gwen. Thanks for chatting with me. 
This has been Gwen Frey and Chris Slight, and you've been in the Dialogue Box.